Welcome to the Northwood Baptist Church Podcast. This is Tommy Metter, lead pastor of Northwood Baptist in North Charleston, South Carolina, and I'm so thankful that you've taken the time to listen to the following message. If you'd like to learn more about our church, go to northwoodbaptist.com. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and subscribe to our podcast so you can have new content delivered to your device every single week. I hope the following message blesses you and helps you connect faith to life. Take your Bibles and turn to Judges, the book of Judges, chapter 16, verses 28 through 31. We're going to read that in just a moment. We're going to look at several chapters, 14, 15, and 16. But in just a moment, we'll read Judges 16, 28 through 31. If you're new to the Bible, the good news for you this morning is Judges is real easy to find. Uh, Just go to the very beginning, Genesis, and you'll go Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, and Judges, seventh seventh book in the Old Testament. If you don't own a Bible, the good news for you is you should find one right in the seat before you in the book rack. Grab a copy of that Bible and turn to Judges with us. You don't own a Bible, take that Bible home with you and begin to read it and learn about the God who loves you and desires a relationship with you. So I I know that um, January of 2020 seems like it was 30 years ago, right? But if you do remember that far back in ancient history, back in January of 2020, we started walking through the book of Judges together. And so so when the pandemic hit in March, I, I kind of took us a different direction for a while to help us to think through how to have joy in all circumstances. That's why we walked through Philippians together. But I want us to finish what we started. And so today we're coming back to the book of Judges uh, to finish up uh, this particular study in Judges that we started so long ago. And and so, man, we said at the outset when we started Judges back in January that these are some fascinating, interesting, and downright weird stories. And these last few stories we're looking at as we end this book, man, they are nuts. And so this Sunday, next Sunday should be a lot of fun as we finish up the book of Judges together. And and you're already somewhat familiar with this story because we're looking at the continuation this morning of Samson's story. I don't know if you remember this or not, but back in February, March, sometime in there, we looked at Judges chapter 13 and we looked at this, this calling of God on Samson's life, that, that God came to Samson's mom and dad and said, you're gonna have a child and your child, he's gonna be Samson. He's gonna be set apart from birth to serve and, 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 and he's going to deliver my people. We'll get into that in just a moment, moment, but it's a fascinating story. And when you think of Samson, you probably think about the same thing I do because you know, we've all heard this story probably once or twice in our life. Maybe you heard it in Sunday school, maybe you heard it somewhere else. But when you think of Samson, you think of his crazy strength. He has his long hair and because he has long long hair and he's very strong, all those things. Uh, in fact, I don't know if you remember this or not, but, but months ago I showed you an artist's rendition of what Samson looked like, right? A very handsome man. Uh, but but anyway, um, here's the reality, especially, you can take it off the screen now, that'd be great. <laughs> here's the reality, especially if you are a man. Us men, we do, we have an obsession with strength, 
We all want to be strong. I, my dad, maybe I've told you this before. Some of you have met my dad. He, he's been lifting weights, I don't know, since he was like three years old. And he, he's a pretty strong guy. I mean, he's in his mid-60s now, and he still goes to the gym regularly and lifts weight. And I can remember as a kid, him going to the gym all the time. We had a home gym. He was just always working out. and was always a pretty muscular guy. And so, so, so when I um, got out of college, I mean, I wanted to be like my dad, obviously. And so I got, I got a gym membership, and I, and I went down to the GNC because that's where you go to buy the stuff, you, like the legal stuff you need to uh, build muscles. And I, I bought a big old thing of protein and I bought some, some pre-workout drink. I don't remember what it was. And so I remember going to the gym for the first time. Before I went to the gym, I got that pre-workout drink out and I mixed it up with my water and I drank it down, went to the gym and didn't know what I was doing. I started, you know, lifting some weights and about 10 minutes in, went to the bathroom and vomited everything I drank. And that was about, that's about my gym experience. Like that's it. So, so I've just kind of accepted the fact that this is me, right? I'm, I'm a runt and I get that. But still, I mean, there's, we all have this fascination with strength and, and we want to be strong. And, and what's so fascinating about this story is we are looking at the story of a man who was insanely strong, but at the same time, insanely sinful. And what's so fascinating about this story is what we'll see at the end of the story is that strength actually kills Samson. And, and I want you to... to Focus in this morning, because here's the reality. We all want to be strong and we all want to be, unfortunately, independently strong, apart from the strength of God. And this story shows us what happens when we live a life independent of the strength of God. Now, let me help you review for just a moment because it has been years since we've been in the book of Judges. If you remember, you have these Israelite people. They'll, they'll serve God for a while and everything will be going good and then they'll decide to turn away from God. And when they turn away from God, they turn to idols and, 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 and what God will do to discipline them, he will raise up a people one of the surrounding nations to come in and to oppress the Israelites and eventually the Israelites will get tired of getting beat up by their enemies. And so they'll cry out to God and God will raise up a judge, someone who will deliver them from their enemies. What's interesting, and I know you don't remember this because we looked at this back in February. What's interesting is now we're at the end of the book of Judges and the Philistines, they are the ones who are oppressing the Israelites. But you know what Israel doesn't do? They don't cry out to God. I mean, in their past, they had, when they got tired of getting beat around, they would cry out to God, God, help us. But now they don't. But in spite of that, God chooses to deliver them anyway through a very unlikely person. So let's look at his story. And let's look at his story this morning. And as we look at his story, I, I wanna show you. I wanna show you how can we can be a people who don't live independently of the strength of God, but who choose to depend on his strength. So take your Bibles, Judges chapter 16, uh, beginning in verse 28. When you find that passage, go ahead and rise to your feet as we honor the reading of God's word together. Judges 16, beginning in verse 28. Then Samson called to the Lord and said, O Lord God, please remember me and please strengthen me only this once. 
Oh God, that I may be avenged on the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson grasped the two middle pillars on which the house rested. And he leaned his weight against them, his right hand on the one and his left hand on the other. And Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. Then he bowed with all his strength and the house fell upon the Lord's and upon all uh, the people who were in it. So the dead whom he killed at his death were more than those whom he had killed during his life. Then his brothers and all his family came down and took him and brought him up and buried him between Zorah and Eshetal in the tomb of Manoah, his father. He had judged Israel 20 years. Let's pray together. Father, again, we thank you for this morning and thank you for the time that we have together in your word. Uh, father, help us. There's a lot going on in this story. And so help us to listen carefully to what you're saying to us and help us to be a people who strive to live in your strength and your power and not in our own. So Father, as you're speaking to us this morning, help us listen with hearts that are ready to obey you, ready to walk in full surrender to your will. Father, we love you. And we thank you for our time together now in your word. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You can have a seat. Now, I don't know if you remember this or not, but in, back in chapter 13, when God came to Manoah and his wife and, and told them they were going to have a son, Samson, who would deliver his people from the, the Philistines, God said to Manoah and his wife that he would be under what was called a Nazarite vow. Now, I don't have time to get into all the details of a Nazarite vow this morning, but essentially what would happen in those days is a Nazarite vow was a voluntary thing. Like if you were a, a, an Israelite and you wanted to show some extra dedication to God, let's say, you would go under this Nazarite vow and you would not grow your hair or not cut your hair for a while and you wouldn't uh, touch a, a, a dead animal or things like that. There were these different things you would not do under a Nazarite vow. And then after it was over, you would uh, go to the tabernacle, you'd make a sacrifice and you would end the vow. And so here in Judges 13, God says Samson will be under a Nazarite vow from birth, right? That God said, this is what's going to happen. For his whole life, he will not cut his hair. For his whole life, he won't touch a dead animal. For his whole life, all these different things. And so Samson was born, set apart from God. But here's the problem. He doesn't live like he's set apart from God. Go back to chapter 14 and let's, let's start looking at the story. You come to chapter 14 and you begin in verse one and look at what it says. Samson went down to Timnah and at Timnah, he saw one of the daughters of the Philistines. Then he came up and told his father and mother, I saw one of the daughters of the Philistines at Timnah. Now get her for me as my wife. Well, that's problem number one, right? I mean, come on. Samson, he sees who? A Philistine woman, and he wants to marry a Philistine woman, not an Israelite. He wants to marry the enemy. Look what happens. You come down. But his father and mother said to him, come on, isn't there a woman among the daughters of your relatives or among all of our people that you must go take a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines? But Samson said to his father, get her for me. She is right in my eyes. His dad says, Samson, you know better. We, we don't marry outside of, of the Israelite people. She's one of the enemy. You don't want to marry her. There's plenty of young women among our people that, that you can marry. But Samson says, no, she's right in my eyes. And so all of a sudden we see at the outset that, that Samson is someone who is bent on following his own desires. Not listening to the counsel of his father and mother, but just doing what he wants to do. But this is interesting. Look at what it says in the next verse. Now, we'll come back to this, but just think through it. 
His father and mother did not know, listen, listen, this is so good, that it was from the Lord. For he was seeking an opportunity against the Philistines. Story gets interesting. There's a wedding to prepare for. And so Samson and his mom and dad, they they go off to Timnah for Samson to marry this woman. And Samson's out by himself. And along comes a lion. You know the story? Listen to what it says. You come down, look at it's, it's interesting. You come down and you see verse six, for example. Then the spirit of the Lord rushed upon him. And although he had nothing in his hand, he tore the lion in pieces. Listen, as one tears a young goat. I don't know, right? I mean, apparently back in those days, it was popular to tear young goats. Like 4th of July weekend, you got together, you had a barbecue, you played some cornhole, and then you tore goats. That's just what you did, right? But, but here in this story, I mean, this, this, what, what the writer's saying, look, look at how strong Samson is. He, he's so strong that he took a lion, a lion, the, the king of the beasts of the field, and he tore it like you tear a young goat, like it was nothing. And he goes on. A few days later, he comes back and he sees that lion that he tore to pieces. And in the carcass of the lion was a beehive and honey. And so he's under a Nazarite vow. He's not supposed to touch a dead animal, but he does. He he eats the honey out of the lion, gives some to his parents completely in obedience to the vow that he had taken as a child, right? And, but then you come along. It's time for a wedding. Now, Samson doesn't have any friends. And so, so he's got this bride-to-be and, and they, they gather around some other Philistines to be his friends. 30 men to be his friends, right? In preparation for the wedding. And so you come down and, and Samson puts a riddle before them. And he says in this riddle, he says, listen, if, if, you'll, if you'll figure this riddle out, if you can get this right, here's what I'll do. I will go and I will buy you 30 new suits. But if you can't get it, if you can't get the riddle in so many days, you're gonna buy me 30 new suits because everybody wants 30 new suits. And so you come down and you look at what he says in verse 14, here's the riddle. Out of the eater came something to eat. Out of the strong came something sweet. And they don't know, how, know what he means. They ain't got a clue what he means. And, and so they're getting frustrated. They don't wanna buy him new suits. And so they tell his bride to be, you got to get the answer. And if you don't get the answer, we are going to torture your family. Get the answer for us. And so eventually she comes to Samson and she says, listen, you must not love me because if you would love me, you would tell me the answer. So these people won't torture me. And so, so Samson tells her the answer. And then obviously she tells the men and you see what happens. You come down and look at what it says in the next few verses. And the men of the city, verse 18, came to him. And on the seventh day before the sun went down, what is sweeter than honey? What is stronger than alliance? They figured it out. And he said to them, if you had not plowed with my heifer, you would not have found out my riddle. Well, let's move on. And the spirit of the Lord rushed upon him. Look at it again. The spirit of the Lord rushed upon him, verse nine. And he went down to, to Aklon and struck down 30 men of the town and took their spoil and gave the garments to those who had told the riddle. You see what he does? He doesn't go buy new garments for them. He goes and he finds 30 men in the city and he kills them. And he takes the clothes off of their backs And he takes them to these 30 men who had figured out the riddle and gives it to them. And then he goes home mad. Wild, crazy story. But it gets more interesting. After a while, 
he decides to go back to his wife, the, the Philistine woman that he wanted to marry. Look at what it says. Chapter 15, verse 1. After some days, at the time of wheat harvest, Samson went to visit his wife with a young goat. Because what young lady doesn't want a young goat, right? So he, he goes to his wife with a young goat. And, but when he gets there, her father had already given her away in marriage to another man. Not good. This does not make Samson happy. And, and so, so the father, he, he tries to compromise. I, I know that you, you want my daughter's hand, but I gave her away. But here, here's the deal, Samson. I have another daughter. She's younger. She's more attractive. Let me give her to you instead. But Samson will have nothing to do with it. And look at what it goes on to say. You come down to um, verse three of chapter 15. And Samson said to them, this time I shall be innocent in regard to the Philistines when I do them harm. So Samson went and caught 300 foxes and took torches and he turned them tail to tail and put a torch between each pair of tails. All right, come on now. A couple of problems, right? Like first, I don't know how many times you've tried to catch a fox. They're pretty fast. And to catch 300 foxes and then... The, Okay, let's say you can catch 300 foxes. Good for you. You're, you're pretty impressive. But then to tie their tails together? Can you imagine how much? And then to put a torch in the middle of them? Listen, when we get to heaven, DVR, God, you got to play this back. I want to see this, right? I mean, this is wild. But so he ties the tails together and, and they run wild and burn things down. And it's just not a good day. And this obviously infuriates the Philistines. And so what happens, now remember, Watch what happens. The Israelites had grown content being enslaved by the Philistines. But now the Philistines, they go and they attack the tribe of Judah. Now all of a sudden, the Israelites aren't so content anymore. They don't want to be tortured by the Philistines. And so, so listen what happens. You come down and you look at the next few verses and it says in verse 11, 3,000 men of Judah went down to the cleft of the rock and said to Samson, Samson, we're going to tie you up. Please let us tie you up and take you to the Philistines. Samson agrees. So, okay, tie me up. Just don't take my life. Tie me up and take me to the Philistines. And so they do. For the Philistines, it's the prize, right? I mean, you, you, you have the, the, the Israelites coming. They've got Samson tied up. They bring Samson right to the Philistines. I mean, it sounds like a good day for both. But then look what happens. You come down and it says in verse uh, um, 14, when he came to Lehi, the Philistines came shouting to meet him. Look at it again. Then the spirit of the Lord rushed upon him and the ropes that were on his arms became his flax that has caught fire and his bonds melted off his hands. And now watch this. And he found a fresh jawbone of a donkey and put out his hand and took it and with it struck 1,000 men. He took the jawbone of a donkey and killed a thousand Philistines. And from that place, or from that day on, that place was known as Jawbone Hill. Every time you passed by that hill, you remembered how Samson had slaughtered a thousand Philistines with a donkey jawbone. Impressive, but it, but it gets even better. You come to chapter 16. Fun story, right? You get to chapter 16 and, and, and Samson goes to Gaza. This is the capital of the Philistines. And he goes there and he solicits the services of a prostitute. The Philistines know he's there. Now's their opportunity. When it's late at night, 
And Samson is sleeping with the prostitute. They'll ambush him. They'll get him. But Samson's not that dumb. So, so while they're playing the ambush, around midnight, look what happens. It says in verse 19, and, and, um, or excuse me, in chapter 16, beginning in, in verse uh, two, the Gazites were told Samson has come here and they surround the place and set an ambush for him all night at the gate of the city. They kept quiet all night. Come down to verse three, but Samson lay till midnight and at midnight he arose and took hold of the doors of the gate of the city and two posts and pulled them up, bar and all, and put them on his shoulders and carried them to the top of the hill that is in front of Hebron. Pretty impressive. The Bible writer, he wants us to know, the author of this book wants us to know that Samson was insanely strong. And at the same time, insanely sinful because what ultimately will do Samson in is his love for women. Sometime after this, Samson meets another woman. You know her. Her name's Delilah. And he falls in love with Delilah. He dreams about a marriage, a family, and all those kinds of things. But Delilah loves money more than she loves Samson because when the Philistines come to her and, and proposition her and tell her that they will give her a sum of money if she will find out the secret to Samson's strength, she'll be rich. And so that's what she does. She tries to set a trap for Samson. And it's so weird because it seems like Samson plays right into the trap. You come down and let me show you, for example, you come down, uh, for example, uh, to, to, to verse seven. Samson said to her, if they bind me with seven fresh bowstrings that have not been dried, then I shall become weak and be like any other men. And the lords of the Philistines brought up to her seven fresh bowstrings and had not been dry. She bound him. And, and then when they came, I mean, he breaks right out of them, right? So essentially, right, he lies to Delilah. If you do this, I won't be able to get, be set free. And then it happens again. You come down and um, you look at verse Verse 10 and following where he does the same thing. He says, if you, if you tie me with new ropes that have not been used, then I shall become weak and be like any other man. And it happens again. And so Samson, he keeps in a way mocking Delilah. Do this, do this. But every time he's able to break free, you can imagine Delilah's frustration. You can imagine the Philistines' frustration. And finally she says, come on, Samson. Don't you love me? Why do you keep tricking me? If you know that I love you, why do you keep tricking me? And then he does it. Look at what it says. Verse 16. And when she pressed him hard with her words day after day and urged him, his soul was vexed to death. And he told her all his heart and said to her, a razor has never come upon my head for I have been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. If my head is shaved, then my strength will leave me and I shall become weak and be like any other man. And there it is. He reveals the secret. If you cut my hair, I'll become like any other man. The question I have is, is why? why? Why would Samson give it away? I mean, because Samson knows what's gonna happen, doesn't he? That, that, that if his hair is cut, he'll be weak and... Why does he do it? I, I don't know. I know that's probably not the answer you're looking for, but, but I think there may be a clue in the text as to why he finally reveals the secret. Look at what it says again in verse 17. If my head is shaved, then my strength will leave me and I shall become weak and be like any 
other man. At the end of the day, isn't that what Samson wanted? To be like any other man? Because let's be honest, right? That, that from childhood, he had been told by his parents that he was set apart for God. There was a Nazarite vow that he would be a deliverer. He had a special purpose from God. And let's just be honest, Samson didn't want that. He didn't want to be set apart for God. He didn't want to be special. He wanted to be like any other man. Then it happens. You following? You still awake? They cut his hair. And then you see what happens. You come down to verse 20. In verse 20, she said, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. And he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out at other, as at other times and shake myself free. I'm gonna shake myself free. But his hair has been cut. This time he cannot shake himself free. But look at the next verse. Look at what it says. Are you with me? But he did not know that the Lord had left him. Oh, that, my friend, is fascinating. You see, the strength wasn't in his hair, was it? The strength was in the Lord. And Samson doesn't know this. Samson, for all of his life, he's been completely unaware of how God is at work in his life, right? But if you go back and, and look at the, the story again, just about every time that Samson performs some feat of strength, you know what the Bible says? And the Lord came upon him. The spirit of the Lord rushed upon him. But this time, when Samson disobeys, when he reveals his secret, if you will, the Lord leaves him. But come down, come down. It gets interesting. Then you come to verse 22. He's, he's bound, he's uh, put in a prison. Verse 22. But the hair of his head began to grow again after he'd been shaved. It is as if the author of this book, he, he's, he's giving us a clue. He's saying to us, yes, his head was shaved. Yes, the Lord left him. But the story ain't over yet. God's about to do something. And so then, then they take Samson to the temple of Dagon, a foreign false god, and, and they bring Samson out to entertain them. Samson, who was this man who had killed a thousand Philistines with a, a, a jawbone. Samson, who had tied foxes together. Samson, right, who had uh, killed 30 men and taken their clothes off their back to give to other men. Samson now, in the hands of the Philistine, is nothing more than a sideshow. But look what happens. You come down. Verse 28. Then Samson called to the Lord and said, O Lord, Please remember me and please strengthen me only this once, O God, that I may be avenged on the Philistine for my two eyes. A weird prayer, but think about it. As you read throughout the story of Samson, you know what Samson doesn't do? He doesn't call out to God. Except for one time. Back in chapter 15, Samson was really thirsty and he complains to God, God, I'm thirsty, give me something to drink. But other than that, we have no other record in scripture of Samson praying until you get to the end of his life. Now, this is really fascinating. Up to this point, Samson's life was a life really characterized by unfaithfulness to God. You understand? Have you ever read Hebrews chapter 11? In Hebrews chapter 11, the writer of Hebrews gives the names of men and women who lived by faith whose lives were characterized by faithfulness to God. And you know whose name is in that list? Samson's. 
Samson. Samson's life is a life of unfaithfulness. But in the end, there's this act of faith. You follow? He doesn't get it for most of his life, but at the end of his life, he finally realized that the source of his strength, are you following, are you awake? The source of his strength is God himself. And so at the end of his life, he prays God just one more time, strengthen me. And God answers the prayer. And Samson puts his hands on the pillars and brings the temple of Dagon down. And the Bible says that in that act, Samson obviously lost his own life But in that act, more Philistines lost their lives than in any other feat of strength that Samson had performed. And God used Samson to deliver his people. This is a crazy story. And I don't have much time left, but in the 10 or 15 minutes I do have left, some of you are hoping it's 10, in the 10 or 15 minutes I do have left, let me, let me show you two truths I think we learned from this story. You ready? Look. Being strong in yourself will wreck your life. If you think about it, now, now coming close, if you think about it, Samson's life is really a rep- representation of all of Israel. If you read through Judges, Israel's no different than Samson. And if you think about it, Samson's life is in some ways a representation of your life as well. What we all want is the same thing that Samson wanted. We want to be our own man, right? Be our own woman or whatever the case may be. We want to be our own person. Don't tell me what to do. Don't tell me how to live my life. Just let me live it. And and like Israel and like Samson, we want to acknowledge God. It's not that we deny the existence of God. It's not that we don't believe that God's out there somewhere. In fact, for many of us in this room, we have prayed the prayer. We confessed our sins to God. We, we were baptized in the pool at some point in our lives. It's not like we don't believe in God, but we want to live independently of God. God, I'm doing life my own way. Not your way, my way. Every one of us in this room, we fight the temptation to be our own person. Let me do life my way. It's not that I, 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 I don't believe that God exists. It's that I just don't want him involved in my life. He can be out there somewhere, but not close in my heart. That's how many of us live. And when you do, now watch this. When you are strong in yourself, living as if God's out there somewhere and not actively involved in your life, just real quickly, watch what happens. You'll pursue, like Samson did, what was right in your eyes. You won't consider what scripture says. You won't consider what God wants for you. You're always gonna live what's right in your own eyes. You live impulsively. I mean, isn't Samson the epitome? I mean, my goodness, he tied foxtails together. That's pretty impulsive living, is it not? And some of us do the same thing. We don't think about our actions. We just act. We don't think about what might happen if we go after what we want. We just do. And we don't think about the ramifications of our decisions. We don't think about the ramifications of the things we say or the choices that we make. We lack self-control, right? I'm just going to do it my way and follow my desires. We lack conviction. What you don't see in Samson's story is any remorse, repentance. You don't see him saying, man, I should not have done that. You don't see it. And when you live independently of God, You're going to live the same way. You lack teachability. I mean, here's the reality, right? 
that some of us sit in these same chairs Sunday after Sunday after Sunday and you hear the word of God taught over you. You're in a life connection group, a discipleship group, whatever the case may be. And the attitude you have is the same attitude that Samson had. Don't tell me how to live my life, right? You lack accountability. Don't tell me how to live my life. Ultimately, you lack humility. I'm just telling you, you don't have to believe me if you don't want to. I'm just telling you, if you live independently of your life, if you live your life independently of God, this will characterize you. And you know what happened? If you live independently of God, trying to be your own person apart from God, this will characterize you. And here's what the result will be. Your heart will grow cold toward God. Again, look at the story. You never see Samson praying except when he's complaining and except when he's about to lose his life. You will live isolated from the people that you love. Samson didn't have anything to do with this. He ignored the counsel of his father and mother. And ultimately you'll become bitter and miserable. Come on, I'm just telling you this is the truth because I love you and I want you to walk faithfully with God because there's something better for you. If you choose to live independent of God, your life will ultimately end up miserable and far from God. It's just not a satisfying way to live. But on the other hand, just quickly, this passage shows us another great truth. On the one hand, being strong in yourself will always wreck your life. But on the other hand, being strong in the Lord will save your life. This is so fascinating. You know what Israel was not looking for? A deliverer. Remember, they didn't cry out to God, God help us. They were content being unfaithful. And for most of Samson's life until the end, he doesn't cry out for any help either. No one was looking for God to save them. No one was looking for a deliverer. But you know what God does? Oh, it's so good. He delivers them anyway. You follow? Because there was a point in your life you weren't looking for a deliverer either. You were walking independently from God. You were dead, as Ephesians 2 says, in your trespasses and sins. You weren't looking for hope in Jesus. You weren't looking for a different way of life. You weren't looking for a deliverer. 2,000 years ago, when Jesus was put on the cross, people weren't looking for a deliverer, at least not a spiritual deliverer from sin and, and death. The thief who was at the right hand of Jesus. He wasn't looking for a deliverer. But when God opened his eyes to who Jesus was, what did he say? Remember me. The Roman soldier who was at the foot of the cross, he wasn't looking for a deliverer. But when he began to understand who Jesus was, he said, what? This must be the son of God. You see, you weren't looking for a deliverer either. But God was faithful to you. You weren't looking for a deliverer, but at some point in your life, if you're a follower of Jesus, God opened your eyes and showed you exactly what you need. You needed a deliverer and Jesus is that deliverer. You see what I'm saying is that for most of us, all of our lives, we lived unfaithful to God, but God never stopped being faithful to you. And now even as a follower of Jesus, you still have your moments of unfaithfulness. But God continues to be faithful to you. You see? And so just a couple of challenges. Because here's the temptation. 
to read the story of Samson. And you say, you know what? In the end, it works out. In the end, God is faithful. He delivers. In the end, God takes care. But here's the reality. You know what Samson missed out on? He missed out on being aware of the work of God in his life. Think about it. You read it over and over again. The Lord rushed upon Samson. The Spirit empowered Samson. The Spirit came upon Samson. And Samson's totally oblivious. Samson lives his life unaware of the presence of God at work in his life. And you might be here this morning. Listen carefully. You might be here this morning. You think, okay, I prayed a prayer years ago. I'm gonna be all right. It's okay for me to live independently from God and do my own thing. Because after all, I believe once saved, always saved. And I prayed a prayer years ago. So I'm good, right? At the end of the day, listen what you're missing out on. You're missing out, are you not? You're missing out. You're missing out on being aware of the presence of God at work in your life. Don't presume. Don't presume on the grace of God. And finally, this is so good. For most of his life, Samson messed it up until the end. At the end of his life, he cries out to God. And when he cries out to God at the end, God answers. Aren't you thankful, my friend, that no matter where you find yourself in life right now, it may have been years of unfaithfulness to God, years of ignoring Him, years of living as if He does not exist. It's never too late. It's never too late to experience the grace of God. So just two challenges. One, if you're a follower of Jesus, don't take advantage of His grace. Don't miss out. Don't miss out on what God wants to do in your life today. Don't miss out on his presence. Don't miss out on the joy that he wants to give you today. And you're gonna miss out. You're gonna miss out if you continue to live your life saying, okay, I believe that God's out there somewhere, but I'm gonna choose to live independent. I'm gonna be my own man. Don't presume on the grace of God. Maybe you're here this morning and you're not a follower of Jesus. It's not too late. It's not too late for you to experience the grace of God if you'll believe that 2,000 years ago, Jesus died in your place and rose again. It's interesting to me how this story ends. Samson lived a life of unfaithfulness and at the end was faithful. And in one act of faith, he died and saved many. Have you ever thought about how Jesus is the exact opposite of Samson? Jesus did not live a life of unfaithfulness. In the power, not his own power, but in the power of God, Jesus lived a life of complete faithfulness for you, a life that you could not live. And then at the cross, in the ultimate act of faithfulness to God, he died for you. Not saving a particular group of people, but saving all people who believe that he is the one who came to rescue us from sin and death and give us life abundant and eternal. This morning, if you've never placed your faith in Jesus Christ, you can know you can know the Savior of the world who desires a relationship with you, who desires for you to walk in His presence day in, day, day in and day out. This morning, we're gonna have a time of invitation. If you've never placed your faith in Jesus Christ, you come now. I'll be down front and we'd love to talk to you about how you can begin a relationship with Jesus. And for those of us who are already followers of Jesus, here's a challenge for you. To not presume on the grace of God. Be aware. Don't live independently of Him. Know what it means to follow Jesus to live obediently, aware of his work in your life. However, God's leading you in these moments, you come as we have a time of invitation. Father, thank you for this morning and for time together in your word. 
Now, Father, I pray in these moments, as we're in this room together, we will respond to your voice in faith and obedience. Father, for that person in this room this morning who's never placed his faith or her faith in Jesus, I pray that person would come trusting in you as Lord. And Father, for those of us who are followers of yours, forgive us. Forgive us when we live our lives in such a way where we try to be our own man, our own woman, trying to live independently of the work that you want to do in our lives. It's a miserable way to live. Help us this morning to trust you, to walk by faith, to put our eyes on you, to be aware of your presence at work in our lives and ask it in Jesus' name, amen. However the Spirit of God leads you this morning, you come as we have a time of invitation together. Rise to your feet as we sing together.